hoping to witness a bit of Copa Libertadores history this evening. Welcome to Hand of Pot. Copa Libertadores history of which I speak is not actually anything to do with Argentine clubs, um, but I'm rather excited at the idea that the strongest might actually make it into the knockout rounds. Um, we're watching the strongest at home against Santos while we record because San Lorenzo and Lanús both play quite a bit later on in the evening. Uh, they kick off in just over two hours, so hopefully we won't still be recording that. Um, I'm joined this week in my own living room uh, by English Dam. Hello and good evening. Who hosted last week's episode, of course. Thank you for, for doing that, Dan. Um, and by Andres. Hello and good evening. I think I won't host any other episode because of the buses problem. If you move flat, then it could be an option. Yeah. Or, if, or if the bus route decides the, to move. The terrorists, perhaps. perhaps the terrorists would be a good option when it's a summer or, mm. or spring. Yeah. But no, I mean, if, if, if the bus ever changes route, then let us know. But yeah, while it's um, stopping right outside your, your window, it, it was a bit noisy uh, when we recorded there before, I'm afraid. Um, anyway, this week we have got a round of classicals to look back on, and they were very exciting, some of them. Um, some slightly more so than others. It has it to be the dogs out, sir. I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> guessing those are in the... Oh, hello, we've got a gold no, already. There we are. No one's happy with that. Well, the dogs got excited with uh, the strongest goal. That's but, obviously what happened. Um, let's go through the scores from the weekend. In the Clásico del Cucho, which was the only game on Friday evening, San Martín lost at home 2-1 to Godoy Cruz. On Saturday, uh, we had Clásicos in Córdoba, where, where Tacheres Belgrano ended 1-1. In Quilmes, uh, where the La Plata Clásico between Estudiantes and Gimnasia ended 1-0 to Estudiantes. Uh, that's because, I think we mentioned it last week, but just in case anyone wasn't listening, um, the uh, Estadio Único de La Plata, the municipal stadium there, uh, has got some events being put on by the province of Buenos Aires in the next few weeks, so Estudiantes have got to move and play elsewhere for a while. Um, in El Sur, where Banfield beat Lanús 1-0, we had a non-clásico between two clubs called Atletico something also on Saturday. Um, Atletico de Rafaela got a third consecutive win. How's that happened? Against Atletico Tucumán, um, also 1-0. To Well, it makes the relegation thing a bit more interesting, as we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and then also on Saturday, the last clásico on Saturday was Oracan versus San Lorenzo, which ended 1-0 to San Lorenzo. Marcos Angeleri scoring the only goal mm-hmm. of the game. Uh, then we had Olimpo versus Alba City, which ended 2-0 to the hosts in Bahia Blanca, that's to, to Olimpo. Um, on Sunday, the Santa Fe Clásico ended 1-1 between Colón and Unión. The Rosario Clásico ended in a thumping away victory for Rosario Central, who won 3-1 against Newell's Old Boys, meaning that if Boca Juniors could pick up a win in the Super Clásico, they would have gone 
lots of points clear of because it also when the San Lorenzo uh, stayed second. Uh, but Boca Juniors did not do that. River Plate got an impressive 3-1 win in La Bombonera um, as well. Independiente got a 2-0 home win over Racing, which means that at last Ariel Olan has uh, has got a home win as okay. Independiente boss. Um, all the same, Dan is, is still here. So, well done, Dan. For, yeah. Amanda, yeah. I went. Being, uh, being brave enough to turn up. And in um, a series of non-classicos to end the weekend, Patronato against Sarmiento ended 2-2 in a match which sounds like it was quite entertaining, but which nobody was watching because it was on at the same time as the Avellaneda Clasico. And then on Monday, Defensio Justicia 2, Quilmes 0. Uh, one game that kind of actually is a Clasico, Arsenal against Tempele ended 2-0 to Arsenal. And Meles Sarsfield beat Tigre 2-1 in the weekend, in inverted commas, final game. With um, a little bit of help from the ref. Oh, yeah? You not see the penalty? I don't watch Monday Night Football. No, I, I wasn't watching it either, but then I saw the highlights. It was, no, a massive, um, <laughs> massive outrage. Oh, really? Even Elisonda came out to, to talk and basically refused to back the ref. Oh, Elisonda does that sometimes. Yeah. He, he's a... Yeah, he said that he hasn't understand what happened and, yeah. and then he hasn't put, I don't know, this is uh, the same way that, I, that we say it in Spanish, in English, but... He hasn't put the the hands in the fire for anyone. Yeah, he won't put his hands in uh, okay. in the fire for someone. You yeah. can say that, yeah. So he didn't, and he was right to because well. So what happened? It was. It was uh, I, mean, I, I can see from this uh, chronology of all the games that I've got yeah. up here that it was in the ninetieth minute. It was a uh, corner to Vélez in the last minute. Um, the ball came over. There was minimal contact between a Vélez player and a Tigre player. Godoy. Um, no one even thought it was going to be a penalty like Vélez didn't appeal or anything finally the whistle went Vélez's players admitted after the final whistle they thought it had been blown up for an offside <laughs> and he looked at the, and it was given a penalty I think there was a sh- perhaps the most minute shirt tug you've ever seen in your life to be kind to the ref mm-hmm and yeah, the penalty was given Pavoni converted it that was the second penalty of the night for Vélez and at the final whistle there was some, a big old Barney and he almost got lynched he needed the right police to come in and save him so, and he's been dropped for, for this weekend Arganyaras Pedro Arganyaras second, second penalty two penalties in the same match and we have I have heard Guillermo Barros Grotto complaining because Boca hasn't been awarded mm. for one year a penalty. A single penalty and Bell has been awarded two. With two one of one them game. wasn't penalty. Yeah. One yeah. of them was a complete invention. Yeah. Poor Boca. Uh, Independiently yes. should have had a penalty on Sunday yeah. as well. But we won't go too far into that. Well, we, we'll do that in a few minutes. But I suspect that what um, a large, large-ish proportion, possibly the largest proportion... Um, if not an outright majority of our listeners most want to hear about is the Super Clásico mm-hmm. and of course uh, Andres and I will be more than happy to, to talk about it it was a match of two halves um, was it really? I thought, I thought so. River were fairly comfortable all the way through oh they were comfortable enough yeah. in the second half but they certainly didn't approach it the same way I thought it was well, uh, no, yeah. a bit risky with only a one goal lead but anyway River were very very good in the first half um, they scored a cracking first what am I doing without being able to look at the damn thingy to remind myself how everything went 
Um, let's try this again. They scored a cracking opener through Gonzalo Martinez about a quarter of an hour in. And they extended their lead eight or nine minutes after that through Lucas Alario, which means he's got yet another goal in yet another big game for River. Um, and that meant that they were coasting towards half-time with a 2-0 lead until Fernando Gago hit, depending on whether you're an idiot or not, either one of the greatest free kicks ever or completely mishit um, cross uh, to make it 2-1. It went sailing over Augusto Batasha's head. Um, and in the second half, River sort of settled back a bit more to play on the counter. Obviously, there's a degree to which Boca were having to press more, and certainly Boca looked like um, Guillermo Barrosecolotto had put a rocket up their asses at half-time. I would not have liked to, to have been a Boca player in that dressing room. Uh, it looked like they'd been yelled at. Um, they, were, they improved, Boca, but they still couldn't... I mean, there's a couple of chances. They had a few chances, yeah. Martinez Cuarta. Martinez Cuarta clearly. No, yeah, that was safe. Oh, you're right, yeah. Benedetto had a header almost in the small box, which was incredibly, of course. There were a few chances. But River had one as well. Driussi missed an absolute. Yeah. And Alosowski rolled one. Just one. No, I think it's Alosowski that I'm thinking of. The chip that just went sort of. Yeah, that was Alosowski. Just after replacing Alario. Yeah, it could have ended with a few more goals, but 3 1 was probably a fair result. When Alario scored the second one, I think that even the Boca supporters were thinking that the result would be tragic for them. Uh, because the first half remind me of, reminded me of the matches in which Gallardo uh, I don't know what what is he saying to the players or what mm. he said to the players for these special matches but the, the, the team that uh, appears in the moments that uh, you, you think well Robert is not playing very well or not playing uh, to, to, to really uh, commit with the, with, the, with the match with the mm. Circumstances and I think this time was, I, I, I mean, reminded me of the matches of the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana, in which perhaps wasn't bright, brilliant in terms of the uh, what you saw, uh, what led you in your eyes, but uh, it was effective. It was hmm. a, a, a team that uh, knew what to do in the very moment of the match, which Boca wasn't a, a, a team like that. It wasn't. Like pushing, of course, uh, logically, because in the second half they, they needed the, the, the draw, or at least to push a bit more. Uh, and that was, that's what, that was what made Boca be near of the, of the, of the equalizer. Yeah. Yeah. It was but a strange one, because it, made, it reminded me a lot, um, kind of as a mirror image, of the first Superclásico this season, which was in the Monumental and Boca won 4-2. Yeah, it was also very open. And, yeah, uh, I mean, it seems like, you know, home advantage in these games doesn't really play that much more because there's been a lot of away wins. I think the biggest difference in a way from that game was... Tevez. I mean, it's easy to say, but yeah, it was, was the lack of Carlos Tevez. Yeah. Or, and then this know, time round, Sintor Young went off injured early. Yeah, yeah. That really did... Uh, Deprive Boca of their kind of their best creative outlet. You know, yeah. they really need Gago and Sudan this kind of uh, deadly duo creating chances. And I think lacking Centurion and having Walter Bo, who's, who was his replacement, who's more of an out and out striker. I mean, since Boca didn't really have that much in the midfield, it kind of encouraged River to, to push forward, right? Down the flanks and really put pressure on Peruzzi and Fabra, who are the two fullbacks that are often 
way out of position, kind of don't really do much of a defensive role. And River has the same problems if you if you think. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's all about momentum. It's all about these kind of small breaks you get, and it was definitely River scoring that first was. It was, was a question key. of who who found the perhaps the back of the of their mm-hmm. defenses because yeah. just when you uh, see the, the or watch the goal by Pity Martinez, who was it was of course a brilliant volley that I think that he might uh, score one of, out of I don't know one hundred <laughs> because it was the way he. Impact the ball was perfect, and but the the play itself showed you that you see uh, showed the, the cross just to be in, uh, to, in the back of of, of Peruzzi, which was perfect it was with that intention, mm-hmm. and and well Peruzzi jumped but he couldn't clear the ball and and it was just for Pity Martinez, mm. and and River was sort of having a lot of, of joy otherwise. In behind where Peruzzi should have been, yeah. you know, in a different sense because Peruzzi was charging on the pitch. And I, th- I thought it was, um, on the one hand, you sort of, perhaps from a neutral point of view, a little bit sorry for Boca because two of the players for Boca who we've we've sort of praised, perhaps not naming them all the time, but we certainly point out the fullbacks all the time. Boca's fullbacks, where they get a lot of width throughout the season. You know, I, I think two of the most important players for for their attack um, in a team whose overall style is a little perhaps ill-defined and, and perhaps, I don't know, it's like, it's, it's, it, it seems slightly incongruous when you watch Boca play from the style that they go about the games in to then think, yep, this team is actually, by some distance, the the, top, the highest scoring in the league. Um, and yet, when they were tested defensively, it just wasn't there. And it, yeah. in a way, that, that, that space in behind... Wasn't surprising really to anybody who's watched Bocky, especially at Avon Monera, where they're inclined to go forward a little more. Yeah, it was there a was, strange. It was a surprise to see, oh yeah, the visitors, the away team, whoever that might be, are having some joy and getting yeah. some space in behind Bocky's defence. It was just that this time, um, the visitors happen to have two of the best strikers, form wise at least, in South America right now. Um, whereas normally the visitors are whatever, you know, Sarmiento or. Tacheres, who of course didn't beat Boca in, in La Bombonera, but um, you know, teams with perhaps a bit less firepower than River. Um, yeah, it was a very disjointed performance, a strange one from, from Boca, really. If you think, you know, you, you turned on your TV or, on Sunday, you know, flying in from Mars or something, and, and you wouldn't believe it's, it's a team who's been top of the table pretty much since the first day. Mm. Um, definitely, they missed, you know, there were some key, key players they missed, obviously, but. Tevez is long gone, Centurion went off, uh, Wilmer Barrios wasn't there and he really is kind of um, a key man in their midfield. But that was, I mean, that's Barros Ekelotto's fault because Barrios was part of the squad, he, he came yeah. in the second half. That was perhaps the, the most... It was a big uh, mistake. The, big, the biggest mistake that it was said that he, he committed, he made. Mm-hmm. Uh, because perhaps... To, to so it meant the midfield three didn't really attack or defend. You had Pablo Perez doing what Pablo Perez does, which is basically charge around the field. Looking for a booking. Yeah, and, and he's had guy some, was sitting back and trying to do something. And and Pablo Perez has had some very good games for Boca this season. This was Sunday one. was not one of them. And Rodrigo Bentancor, having said just last week, yeah, I can't really see what Juventus have seen in him. He's been a bit shit mm. for Boca all season. Uh, well, he arguably, I think he was definitely their best midfielder. Yeah, he did work. Um, but that, that was sort of a tallest person in a room full of midgets <laughs> kind of um, role to fill for them on yeah. Sunday. A pair of things about Boca. Mm-hmm. Well, one is that Bentancur could go to the champion of Europe, uh, the champions of Europe, because uh, Juventus is going to play the third of June against Real Madrid. It's 
difficult. I think Real Madrid will win it, but anyway. The thing I've got Juventus down as, as favourites there. Yeah? Oh, okay. Well, no matter. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he could go to the uh, Champions of the Champions League and uh, he now is a, a, a team which is being criticised because they don't play. They, you don't know what they are playing for or what they are trying to play. Are you saying he could be facing River in December in the Club World Cup? Yeah. Is this right. what you're building up to, Andres? And apart from that, well, Pablo Perez... Ambitious, ambitious. This, this thing of Pablo Perez and Wilmar Barrios that perhaps a high percent of Boca supporters would pref have preferred Wilmar Barrios to play instead of mm. Pablo Perez. It's definitely that, the, the feeling I got after the yes. game. You know. That shows some weakness from Guillermo Barros I think that not to, not, to get off, not to get Pablo Perez off the team... Uh, because of his name, of the that time he has been playing into the team and against River, it would have been a massive impact to to put him out and, and to introduce Wilmar Barrios into the team. And the the, the, the pair of, of, of backs, centre backs, I heard I, I was I, I was surprised for what I heard the other day. Uh, Daniel Mosho, which who is a commentator of Boca, very radical and very he, he used uses to insult the usually insults the players. He mm. uh, even said that the defenders were shirking off in, during the match. Mm -hmm. And he said that Bercini... Bercini was dreadful. The, the, the medical <laughs> test okay. that Bercini did when he, before uh, uh, signing the contract to play for Boca, and it was rejected. But he signed the contract anyway because he was, he, he came for free because he was uh, a free agent. Yeah, having uh, left. Uh, from Sunderland. Okay, yeah, I was thinking Southampton. I'm getting them mixed up because they play red and white stripes. And with, with these things, you 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 can notice something that is not good or not right because uh, if you sign a player because uh, he was free, he came for free, but uh, the the medical test is not okay. Well, having said that, River signed Luciano Lolo. Yes, that's, last that's true. Yeah. <laughs> not, I believe he's paid he, for him. And, and he's did he not right. come back very briefly a couple of weeks ago? And then get he's back again. now, but he's been yeah. in such bad form that he's, he's been dropped for... Yeah, but the difference is that... Yeah. Right, yeah, no, he was, he was on the bench on Sunday, in fact. What was that? No. But it was a flying telephone. It's fine, it was your phone, so I don't right. mind. Um, no, okay. Just as long as it's not my remote control. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, no, he was, was on the bench on Sunday. I think he's, he's been uh, kept out if, if, because Lucas Martinez Quartas is in yeah. such fantastic form as much as anything. I assume we'll be playing I tomorrow night. Maybe. I apologise to our listeners for the dog. Yeah. I assume um, we might be playing tomorrow night with. Um, I would think so because he played last. Alternative eleven. He played last week against MLX, yeah. so I would think that he'll be playing tomorrow against whoever it is. That'd be a great defender to get back if, if he rediscovers his form. Absolutely. Just returning to the Barros Ikelota question, mm -hmm. can you guys see him at Boca beyond this season? There has been some talk that he um, is going to be approached by Los Angeles FC. Oh, I was talking to a, to an MLS aficionado that I know, and he said yeah. he's a big shout for MLS. played in MLS, yeah. therefore I'm assuming um, that he speaks at least some English. I think so, yeah. Um, I know that Gasharanov does, because I heard from somebody who... Um, used to teach English at River uh, that apparently Gachado uh, a couple of years ago was having a few classes not from this person but was getting a few English classes as well to sort of brush up on his English from when he played there as well mm. so I'm sure that Barrasso Kilotto uh, picks up some of that and that probably plays into it and also I mean you have to suspect and I, this is normally somewhere where I might say no offence to our American listeners but I think actually that nearly all of them are uh, pretty much 
okay with the sort of level that MLS is at at the moment. Hmm. I can't see him getting a job in Europe anytime soon. No, 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 no. And so no. he's, you know, if he's not going to last much longer at Boca, and, and there's a certain sense that... Um, he was on the point of... He's of, had a degree of, of success yeah. against You think it, Mexico then. or MLS, right? Exactly. Sorry, Andres. He was on the, on the point of being the coach of Palermo. I don't remember what happened that he finally... Ah, and he couldn't get... He didn't have the right coaching oh, badges, right. Yeah, so, he, so yeah. he got kicked out, yeah. yeah. He was there for, um, for about a month, I think. After Lanús, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, and he couldn't yeah, yeah. stay. <laughs> Santos have just gone down to ten men, by the way. Excellent. For, um... Bruno. I won't say brutal, but a pretty club <coughs> tackle. Um, anyway. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, mm. for both managers, really, their, their next moves are, are going to be crucial. Um, and, yeah, Barasek Galotto, especially after how well he did at Lanús, I think needs a job where he can go in and first of all be an influential name and perhaps also not have that same pressure that he's got at Boca to to start to try and reinvent himself because although they won uh, the league and was he in charge when they won the Copa Argentina in 2015? He was, wasn't he? No, he wasn't in charge in the league season. That was uh, Roa Barrena. Yes. He took charge at the start of 2016. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry, so he's not won anything for them. Um, they're top of the league at the moment, and uh, no, he hasn't won anything. You know, they, they have a decent chance of um, of winning the title, but in spite of that, it's not entirely convincing. It, it sort of, no. you know, I mean, uh, and I'm talking not just from my own point of view, but Boca sort of fan accounts and whatnot during the game. I mean, for instance, yesterday when when Ariel's second goal went in, there were you know even accounts like La Dosa Twitter were saying kind of. God, this could get like ugly hmm. from from Boca's point of view to historical proportions. You know, they were talking. You know, we, we could be looking at an, an all-time record. Um, and anyway, the second goal here. converted by 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 Alario could have been scored even by Boca <coughs> if they should clear have cleared the ball the way Ponce mm. did, because the both defenses yeah. are not uh, the best defenses ever. But it, of course, it was. Clear the ball was cleared by by Poncio, uh, caught by 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 Elario who passed passed it to to I think it was uh, Ducey. Then Marchini did a, a, a very bad clearance mm. for Pitti Martinez to to pass the to assist Elario uh, and score. Yeah. But yes, uh, the the difference I will finish with the Marchini and Lolo uh, subject that the the difference is that Lolo is not in the starting lineup. And, and Bergini is there. Yeah. Uh, that's the difference. Of course, it's a mistake any, anyway by the board members of River to, to sign a player that was injured. Same like La Ronda that now is like Lolo coming to a team slowly. Yeah. But yes, that's... Absolutely. Um, I, one last note before we move on to other games regarding Gagos' free kick right on the stroke of half-time. <laughs> I'm assuming that we're all in agreement that it was Mistaken. a complete fluke. Ah, it was uh, a work of genius. He was trying to put it up to the far post and miss it. Uh, but I quite liked the fact that then afterwards Boca had a, a free kick in the second half and Gago sort of went... It was almost as if he'd gone, it's all right, guys, I've got this. Did it in the first half. And then he sent a free kick and it followed almost exactly the same trajectory as the one he'd hit in the first half with no attention paid whatsoever to the fact that he was about 10 yards closer to goal and much, much more central. And as a result, it just went ballooning over the 
I think you can overstate the importance of a captain. Oh, absolutely. But there's if, not really if, if you're anything. For, apart but if you're looking for a leader in that team, and I think, okay, it doesn't matter particularly who's got the armband, but you need somebody to rally the troops, particularly in a possibly, big game. Possibly. And I'm looking down that starting lineup. Agustin Rossi is, is a 12 year old goalkeeper. Gino Peruzzi, Santiago Bellini, Juan Inserralde. Inserralde, possibly. possibly. Yeah. Frank Fabra, mm, no. Bentancur, Gago, Perez. I mean, Perez, but maybe Perez. Perez is a bit of a better captain than Gago, but he's talking about somebody who gets a yellow card in every mm. other game they play. I mean, Centurion, maybe Benedetto, Pavon. Mm. But Perez is more a show, but he's yeah. not uh, demonstrating in, in in the plays, in the, in the, in the games, that w- what is... Uh, I mean, uh, he's not making that difference. Uh, but he, he should be a Caudillo, could be a yeah. Caudillo. Mm. I don't think it's that important, to be honest. As I'm sure we're going to be moving on to Independiente Racing. You look at the Independiente team sheet as well, and it's similarly yeah. lacking in these kind of leader names, but it didn't really slow him down on, on Sunday. That was a very nice segue, Dan. Thank you Thank for you. doing it. But they have Diego Rodriguez, the, uh, the Uruguayan midfielder that is, yeah. I don't think he's, he's a kid, and he could be a leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we will move on now to arguably the second biggest army in Argentina. Whether you want to take that arguably as saying it might be bigger than the other one, or or whether you want to take it as being that it's arguable that it's even the second. I'm going to leave the matter. the mystery around. It. But let's just let's just you know it's up for debate, and that's one of the yeah. things, in fact, that, that that I like about it, and and about the others that happened this weekend, mm-hmm. um, in which. Uh, Racing adopted a very interesting defensive strategy, particularly in sort of the first half of the first half, which was of just giving the ball to Independiente players every time they tried to play out their box. So it's a fascinating tactic, Dan. What do you think was behind it? It's something that Racing had done quite about over the last couple of years, especially with Coca. The idea is because they don't really have much creation in the midfield, especially with Acuna, Acuna out, but mm-hmm. they do have. Uh, players up front like Bow, Lisandro, obviously Latara Martinez was away with the, um, the Argentina under-20s team where he probably went and ruptured his trachea, which sounds absolutely ghastly, by the way. Like, I can't oh, sorry, think that of actually happened? Yeah. Oh, God. Ruptured yeah. his windpipe. But then it was... I can't uh, really think of a worse injury than that. I can't think of how you'd do that. It was a knee to the throat. Oh, that'll do it, yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, so the idea was, yeah, basically punt it as far up the field as you can get. Sorry to interrupt, but dog in the stands in La Paz. Excellent. That's what we like. Punt it as far as you can up the up the pitch. Give it to Independiente's fullbacks and send Bowl herring herring, uh, herring after him pressure and try and get the ball back more or less um, around the midway with the halfway line. And it worked for the last the first half of the first half. Funny enough. Where Racing were were pretty much on top, should have gone one up, with a 
an incredible oh, yeah, miss that was a brilliant from Bo, which I think came from a similar scenario as I've just said, and you rightly pointed out from this kind of speculation. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he was doing to be honest. It's like it was one of them chances where you just have too much time. Yeah. Uh, like anyone who's played five a side or football of any chance knows, you know, sometimes the more time you have to put away a chance, the worse it is. And he he overthought it. I'm sure he didn't know. He had whether the power in the corner to knock it down low to chip it over Campania who was coming out and he just decided to fuck it up basically. Mm. from there yeah it was a, a hammer blow um, to give away a goal so early in the second half a goal moreover which shouldn't really happen because it's a free kick from about 40 yards away going in at your oh, keeper's well, post. I would say it was 40 yards out, but it was... With the angle, 35 and 35. It was 30 and a decent angle on it. Yeah, I, I thought it was a very well-struck free kick. Yeah, but Orion's but, got to yeah, be Yeah, from that distance and... Yeah, and it yeah, wasn't... You know, it was, it was well-struck, but it wasn't hmm. potent. You know, it wasn't flying by any no. means. It even bounced, you know, it bounced before well, it. Well, I think... It, actually, I think it's the bounce that sort of... As well, that helped the spin take, helped them maybe just help... It's Orion who can barely move. He's, Indeed. He just that hasn't done anything since coming to Racing, what was it, last June, July? You can't say he's never, you know... He, uh, he's only yeah, had a few horrendous mistakes, but he's never come up with big saves or anything. And from there it was a lost cause, really, because Racing had to kind of abandon this, this game plan they had, which had bore some fruits in the first half. Independiente, logically enough, uh, gained confidence and, and started pressing forward, you know, because mm. they must have just been overjoyed to be winning a game at home for once. Well, and also, you know, Peter's made the point, um, even when he's been on recently, is, although Orlando himself is... is uh, an attack-minded manager, Independiente have a squad which is quite well set up for the counter-attack. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, no surprise that, that their first win under Orlando, especially the, the first big win, that 5-0 win away to Patronato, was one in which they scored in the third minute mm. and suddenly the opponents had got to come on to them and they were able to just find that space. So, yeah. Yeah, you could say from, from a, the point of view of most Racing fans, as soon as the first goal went in, it was, ah, uh, uh, here we go. This, well, this have, game's lost. Having said that, Independiente's second goal in the match was not a case of just hoofing the ball up into space and somebody not really doing very much to beat any players. No, it was uh, a lovely Maxi Mesa scored. Uh, it's got to be up there with Gonzalo Martinez has opened up a river <laughs> for, for goal of the weekend, at least from the ones that I've seen. Um, took it round two challengers and then sort of sidestepped mm. to third without it, the third actually coming in before finishing past the goalkeeper yeah yeah. Um, the defence was admittedly already, racket, already ragged because yeah. it was stoppage time and everyone else was was further out the pitch but yeah days, it was a good goal um, tell me something about Pablo Cuadra Dan. Pablo Cuadra I've just spotted that he was in the starting lineup for Racing he's played um, a few times yeah he's played I think about three times from the start this year and three or four more off the bench. And he's done well. Um, the first few games he came on, the first few games he came on off the bench and had a massive impact in in both. There were those games against Gode Cruz and Quilmes when, when Racing came back to, uh, to win each one from behind. Yeah. And the turning point was when he, when he came off the bench. Um, Starting, he hasn't had quite the same impact. Plus, 
On Sunday, he was asked to do a role which wasn't really his, which was the Akunyoro. Uh, okay. Which is basically in, in wrestling, doing absolutely everything, because Akunyoro uh, <laughs> does absolutely everything. Uh, but he had, um, he had a couple of good moments. He pulled off a lovely little dribble, uh, which was probably the highlight of, of his game. Um, yeah, um, I can't say it was his fault or anything. Um, Racing lost the game because they lost the game. It, you know, I'd watched the first 15, 20 minutes and I said, this one's got nil-nil written all over it. Over it. Mm. And if it weren't for, um, for Rigoni's goal, um, I've got no doubt it would have probably finished a goal to draw. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, with that goal, which is, you know, a goal from another game to to borrow Argentine football parlance Indeed. kind of it wasn't and the Vignente had kind of been building up to it a little bit they'd had a sustained amount of pressure they should have had a penalty because of Gaston Bonehead Diaz who's the only, you know the right back we put in instead of Ivan Pichud and ends up making Pichud look good which is one hell of a one hell of an achievement but yeah I mean I was disappointed for the result but performance wise I'm you can't go out and crucify any any racing players. It was a very tight game, and in the end, Independiente just kind of had the breaks and had just enough to kind of consolidate and and go on to win. Indeed. Watching the first half, you couldn't have imagined that perhaps Independiente will win, but two goals difference, perhaps. No, that's it. Yeah. First half is what, which is why I said it's going to be nil nil. I mean, you had uh, Bowles chance, which should have been should have gone in, but. But it was saved, and I think Shiliotti put one off the post or someone like that in the first half as well. But there's the chances, you know. Overall, the, um, the start of the game was, you know, was destined for a draw. But about uh, Lautaro Martinez, first it was said that he had his trachea broken, mm -hmm. but then uh, they didn't rely on the on the di diagnosis, and they f they then said that the yeah. he was alright and he could play. Because uh, they went to another institute and and and, and finally it wasn't uh, it wasn't so big. Yeah, I mean I don't. Nature. I must admit I don't know what the prognosis is for a for a ruptured windpipe. Uh, the the um, problem is that Barco wasn't uh, given to the national team and, and ah, it's and, and Barco who, yes, who Independiente insisted yeah. on keeping you because they're not real pre patriots like Racing, which probably gives <laughs> Racing a moral victory there somewhere. So there we have it. Racing won the Classico de Avellaneda. Um, Moral victory, yeah. Indeed. Uh, one fixture which, since this round of Clásicos, and more to the point, since this league structure, which involves every team playing their Clásico twice and only everybody else once, has always seemed to me to be the best indicator of why the round of Clásicos makes it essentially unfair because it gives some teams more of an advantage than talking others. Talking about the Estudiantes or, him, or San Lorenzo? I'm talking about San Lorenzo, ah. because San Lorenzo have the benefit of playing Huracan twice every season, whereas, say, for example, Boca have to play River, mm. or Racing have to play Independiente twice a Rosario, season. Rosario, exactly. Central News, yeah. Two uh, very good teams. They're slightly more even ones, whereas San Lorenzo, it would appear, if they wanted to, could put out a, train, uh, a team of training cones with San Lorenzo shirts on them, and Huracan, I think... Might be able to scrape the draw. Yeah. Um, Uracan have now won 22, is it? Clásicos? And San Lorenzo... <laughs> and San Lorenzo... No, sorry, 24 or something like yeah. that. And San Lorenzo have won 44. 
No, um, no, more with a whole more, a whole load more. They have a. Oh, sorry, no, yeah, you're right. It is more. The difference is almost forty. Thirty. Um, I was going to say that difference. In the, is less in the, less in the, less in the I was going to slip my wrist. The highest difference. Absolutely horrendous. Is the highest difference for a hmm. arch rival? Yeah. I think then needs to be into that class yeah. twenty-three. Twenty-three. Yeah. Yeah. Back to twenty-three. Yeah. It never gets away from that fucking twenty-three number. The. Um, San Lorenzo kept this going with a 1-0 win in El Palacio. Uh, at least our account can say that they've got probably the nicest-looking stadium uh, but of, of the two. Well, it's definitely the nicest-looking stadium of those two teams, actually. I think it's possibly the nicest. The only one that's in been Aires. in an Oscar-winning film as well. Indeed. Um, but that's about all they can say. Um, yeah. Marcos Angeleris, as I mentioned earlier, headed in the only goal of the game, just under an hour in. Did he head it or did it hit him? I mean, come on. Yeah, okay, a bit of both. It did just hit him, really. Open goal. Quite a lot of, of one and not so much of the <laughs> very, other. Very lucky, very he scored lucky. it. That much is under He scored it, yeah. Um, Sunderland will be, will be kicking themselves if they didn't hold on to Anikileri, right? Oh, absolutely. And that was <laughs> goal to the strongest, by the way. I think that's actually Excellent. a scored yes. that. After you criticised his inclusion as a forward earlier, I didn't that. criticise it. I said it was curious, but anyway, I also said that Chumas Dagger can yeah. play anywhere on the field. Indeed. If you put him in goal, it'll it'll save twenty. Indeed. Anyway, we're Ooh, talking about Argentine football. So I really do like that uh, that tracksuit top of the, the strongest barra. Uh, <laughs> let, let's get back to the game. Diego Aguirre, the San Lorenzo manager, got sent off. At half time or at the very beginning of the second half for um it's a lovely turn uh for bringing his team out late yeah, he um, was he was on yeah, time but the, he, the team was late oh really he got there on time oh yes. well no i didn't realize that i just saw the red that card was a rapalini said that humble no sense we can edit this afterwards michelle but oh well, I'll look at this failed attempt to, i know that to save that's <laughs> That's Luis Suarez against Ghana, with the only difference being that he didn't manage to keep it up. That's why he needs strong wrists. Anyway, where right, were we? Back to Argentina. San Lorenzo quite visibly, I thought, had one eye on this evening's Copa Libertadores game. By the time that you're hearing this, listeners, that's yesterday evening's Copa Libertadores game, which obviously I'll give you the full-time score of um, after the final whistle, after the, after the full theme music at the end. Yes, it's, that's true, because Uragan was... But we, we have... We, of course, said about the difference in the matches that San Lorenzo have won uh, against Huracan, mm. but Huracan was <coughs> better, had a lot of chances. Yeah, they did. It was um, a tremendously wasteful performance from yes. them, in, in keeping with you know quite a lot of their season, really. They're, they're not that much on top of all of their games, but certainly there seems to be a bit of a thing developing where when they are on top of a game, they can't stick anything yes. away. And the same like, sorry, the same like Guillermo uh, Barros Esqueloto, as Gonzalo wasn't criticized the same way like Guillermo was, mm. but he got uh, Montenegro out of the match when he was playing the best. Yeah. Mm. Uh, because the the I think the change was already programmed. Was like uh, he was al- had already uh, thought about uh, taking Montenegro out because he can't play 90 minutes, but he was playing well. That's the problem because uh, when you think. After uh, beforehand, that well, Montenegro is not perhaps in the, in his form to play the whole match, but then he's playing well. Oh, but I I had already thought about this. Well, but perhaps if the match tells you that he's playing well, yeah. uh, you have to wait perhaps yeah, a bit more. Adjust your thinking yeah. somewhat. Um, the other match, which is 
pertinent to the title race in particular, and also I think uh, was probably the most surprising um, classical win of the weekend, uh, was Central's 3-1 win away to Newell's Old Boys. Newell's, remember, at the beginning of the weekend, before any games had been played, was second. Um, but now they've lit in seven, ga- seven goals in the last two home games. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot about the previous one. Um, and Central sort of haven't done an awful lot really this season. No, they've they've trod water. They've been uh, they've that, been better since Montero's taken over. That that win puts them up to tenth. Yeah. Uh, if you look at their record this year, now you've said that. Yeah. I, have a, I have a feeling that we said this last week. I think we talked about it last week. Yeah, yeah we said ah right. oh, they haven't done much, and then it turns out they've won like eight games out of ten. Yeah, or they have. That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, in fact, it's in keeping with with Montero's sort of recent run. But in terms of the um, the league standing, certainly I was expecting either yeah, a draw or an or an yeah. win there, and quite such a comfortable Central win, mm. because although Central's uh, third goal came just at the start of stoppage time on the break, uh, it only was sort of a minute and a half, two minutes after Maro Formica brought the score back to two one for Newell's, um, and so it was sort of for the rest of the time I mean I, I missed the first half but for most of the second half it sort of looked like Central were just fairly comfortably sort of keeping Newell's at arm's length kind of holding their hand on, on Newell's forehead well much smaller Newell's classic cartoon bully kind of thing thrash around with their arms that can't quite reach Central's torso um, so it, and, and it was just weird to see that much of a sort of one-sided performance given where Newell's are in the standings and, and the kind of season they were having and that this was you know, a must win. It was played before uh, the Super Classico, literally right before that game ended. The Super Classico started about ten minutes later, um, and yeah, I'm sure the Central will have enjoyed. You know, they're nowhere near the title race themselves, but they'll have enjoyed giving Newells a, a bloody nose and effectively, I think, mm. putting them out. Of, well, maybe not quite out of the title race. They're still um, there, luckily. Like, thanks to, uh, in, in to part Boca slip. the fact that they're playing Boca this weekend. That's going to be the big one. I think that's the game on which the title's going to hinge. Because after yeah. this weekend, there'll be, what, three or four games after left? After this weekend, there are five games left. Oh, five games. Yep. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll, we'll go through the run-ins a little bit later yeah. on. Um, but, yes, I mean, the, 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 the Classical Rosarino was, was interesting as a result. Federico Carrizo and Marco Ruben scored um, Central's first two goals. Carrizo's goal was very, was very nice. Uh, I've, I've still not seen it. Ah, oh, very good. This is Marco Ruben was bad, but then again, he's, like, had some, like, uh, pain... Yeah, he's been struggling with injuries, yeah, which mm. I think has also hurt Central. But. Yeah. Um, other noteworthy classicals at the weekend. Estudiantes got a 1 0 win over Gimnasia in Quilmes, at with home in Quilmes. Nelson Vivas on the bench and wearing a polo. Yes, as he, as he said he would be last yeah. week, indeed, as I mentioned. Um, <laughs> Israel Damonte. The information that Sam gets, you know. And, uh, yeah, forget about it. Sign him up to you, he, he was shown before. Before the match uh, uh, was, uh, before the kickoff, he was shown a, a video where where supporters were imitating him taking the <laughs> of the shirt. Oh, I didn't see that. that and and he said, "Oh, people is crazy, more even more crazy than me." <laughs> ah, come on, no one's more crazy than us. Interestingly, as well, this this newfound sobriety from him, the, the way <laughs> the Palava said that he wouldn't be tempted to rip his shirt open, comes in in Kilmes Stadium, the the ground where he punched <laughs> the guy in the face. <laughs> but he punched a retired fan yeah. when he was Kilmes manager. <laughs> um, anyway, Israel Damonte got the only goal of that game, and Nicolas Bertolo got the only goal of the Clásico del Sur on the very stroke of half time. Mm. 
uh, for Banfield against Lanús. Both of them, Damonte's goal and Bertolo's goal, were headers, mm. which is interesting. Mm. Or at least yeah. it's interesting enough for Argentine results services often to include header. And um, <laughs> both play in almost same position, perhaps, or similar. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah, yeah. Damonte having dropped back a fair bit, yeah. Um, the one that I was most surprised about from the non-classicos uh, was... <coughs> It has to be Atletico de Rafael's win over Atletico Tucumán. Um, Arsenal win. Oh well, maybe, but they were playing Tempele. It's a bit less. I mean, Atletico Tucumán are in the Libertadores. They have a decent chance of qualifying. They're a good side. Um, Arsenal Tempele was more of a relegation dogfight, which could have gone either way. But I mean, how? I didn't see it. So in a way, <laughs> when I say how Atletico de Rafael managed to beat Atletico Tucumán, I really mean it. I, I don't know. Um, Me neither. But, but it's a huge result for the. You know, like a good result. Relegation battle. It means that Atletico de Rafaela are no longer bottom of the relegation table. Oof. They're, they're second bottom now. Yeah. Um, they've closed in on Tempele as a result of that Arsenal win. Who are bottom? Sarmiento? Sarmiento are bottom. Then it's Atletico de Rafaela second bottom. Tempele third. Quilmes fourth bottom. And Arsenal, for the moment, are just above the relegation zone, but they're a point ahead of Quilmes. Arsenal jumped out and Tempele are now back again. Yeah. Because uh, I thought I think that because they previous no week. Win, yeah. Yeah. Is it wrong that I just want Sarmiento to go down? Why? I don't Why know. It's like to, if it was Arsenal, I could understand. Yeah. No, I want Arsenal to go down as well. But it's kind of Sarmiento. Their very presence in the Premier just feels wrong to me. It's like, why are they there? It's kind of the symptom of this whole ridiculous thirty-team league. So you just—they got no place in the Premier. Well, they should go down. We need Don't ask me to explain it. It's something if, very. If it's, if it's any consolation, then the way something very visceral that, that the stirs way between, been, inside of me. The way they've been playing since the turn of the year suggests that they feel the same. That they agree with me. Yeah. yeah. Yes, obviously they they won that first game back against Temple, and since then they've not won. They're doing the honourable thing and going back yeah. where they belong. I'm sorry for the supporters of these teams, but I we need more Argentinian juniors and further back. <laughs> More Argentinos, less Sarmiento. <laughs> yeah, less Sarmiento, less Sarmiento. That sounds like a war cry to, to run Olimpo, for the effort. Less Aldo Civi, perhaps. Yeah, Aldo Civi, uh, you know. It's good. Once away fans come back, you get a nice weekend in the seaside if, if you can go watch them. Yeah, so, yeah, they can stay. I mean, but who wants to go to Junín? Let's be honest. Santiago Garcia was the man of the match in uh, San Juan, where... Godoy Cruz got that 2-1 away win over San Martín so well done him and the <laughs> corner of a Clásico finished 1-1 again just like it did a couple of weeks ago yeah. um, in the same stadium as well but with fans again because of course yeah. it was a Tacheres home game not a Belgrano home game this time. happily no one died this time indeed um, there was a bit of a Barney on the pitch at one point oh. but it was contained on the pitch um, so well done, everybody, in Cordoba. I say without a, scent, a hint of irony. Um, and yeah, as Andres says, um, Arsenal got a 2 0 win over Tempele, which, as we've mentioned, is big for the relegation zone. The standings. Now, actually, I'll go through the standings um, after the break, because after the break, we'll, we'll have a look at the run ins as well. Also, we've been quite him. a while without Finette, and the first one was with exactly, Flatcoat, yeah, I mean, so we won to redeem ourselves. I, I finished mine some time ago, Dan, I now realise it's also finished his, and yeah, as Dan says, the first well, one was with Coke without any gas in it from um, last week, sorry about that. Uh, so here is some half-time music, while well, we also wait for that dog downstairs to stop barking, I don't know whether you can hear it or not, and we'll be back in a minute.
Thank you, Dom. Here we go. Providing an, an echo in the studio, <laughs> which I'm sure if you were to do that throughout the show wouldn't at all be annoying. No, I'm so, sure. Um, I'm sure everybody would love it. Mm. Let's first of all have a really quick look at the relegation standings since we mentioned them just before the break. Sarmiento bottom, Atletico de Rafael second bottom, Tempele third and Quilmes fourth bottom. Mm-hmm. That's the relegation um, zone. Who did Quilmes play at the weekend? Quilmes Forgotten already. Played... Classico, that wasn't a Classico. They, they were away to defence at ah, And they lost. And they lost two goals from Tomas Pochettino, who... I checked and is not a relation of Mauricio. He's not. I checked it a while ago as well. Um, Arsenal are, as I mentioned, one point above Quilmes on 95 points from 80. Oh, that says that Arsenal have got a game in hand as well. We'll have to talk about Defensa Justicia in our future pod. because. Why, Why have Arsenal got a game in hand? Sorry. I don't know. Oh, because they the second half of their game against Olimpo was called off. Ah, yes. They've not completed that. Yes, yes, yes. of course. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Dan, go on. Uh, we'll have to talk about Defensa y Justicia in detail in a future pod because their coach is going to be uh, Jorge Sampaoli's number two. Marcelo, no, Sebastián. Sebastián Sebastián Becacese. Another Bielcista. Is that how he says it? Becacese? Another Bielcista who's done a pretty good job with him so far. Indeed. It must be said. Um, so, yeah, we'll have that. You know, we'll we've, give we've each had, other. We've had a question times. actually about some of Sam Pauli's assistants. Oh, there we um, go. And he's the one person that we can actually say something about. So we'll, we'll do it in a few. Well, minutes. there we go. Um, Arsenal are one point above Kielmes, having mm-hmm. with half a match in hand. And if they are to turn that half match into the draw that it currently is, because mm-hmm. it was nil nil when it was called off, um, there would be two points above Kielmes. And level with Olimpo if that... Oh, no, they wouldn't, in fact, would they? Because Olimpo who the, the game's against. So mm-hmm. it would then go... Um, anyway, Arsenal would have 96 rather than 95, and Olimpo would have 97 rather than 96 points from 89 matches. Um, Kilmes have 94 from 89. It's pretty easy, actually, to work all of these out by looking at the totals and then looking at a team in the relegation zone who've got the same number of games. So Aldo Sivi <laughs> and Oracan... Neither of them are quite safe yet because Aldo City have 77 or a kind of 79 and Tempele are in the relegation zone with 73 mm. from 70 games. So there's only a six-point gap there to Oracan, mm. who, have, as we mentioned, not playing too well at the moment. Patronato, uh, somewhat of an unknown quantity because they're the only team in the top flight who have got 40 games um, on the uh, relegation table. So we can't really sort of. It's a bit difficult to quantify them, but certainly everybody up to Huracan is definitely very much in the relegation zone. Um, we're not going to go through their run-ins as well because if if we did, then this second half of the podcast would go on forever. Um, what we are going to do is just remind you of the standings at the top end of the league table, which is bunched up a, a fair bit. It has bunched up a this lot, weekend. and then we're going to look at just the top few clubs. I've taken an executive decision on which ones to go through. So the top. Let's go with the top nine in the league table because um, those top nine clubs are separated by eight points. And and those are the clubs that qualify to the even Copa Libertadores or Copa Sudamericana, right? Actually, down to, down to 11th. Let's go ah, for the 11th. top 11 because down to 11th qualifies for the Sudamericana. So, so thanks for, 
further clarification actually Andres because that, that's fair the, the, re- the other reason I chose 9 was that the gap down to Independiente in ninth from Boca is 8 points but Independiente have a game in hand so they could make that up um, anyway so the, at, at the top still in spite of the Super Classical defeat the other day are Boca uh, with 49 points San Lorenzo are second with 46, River are third with 45 but have a game in hand which will be played against Atletico Tucumán during the international break uh, when Argentina are playing that friendly in Australia and uh, their friendlies, sorry, plural in Australia and Singapore. Is that the last week of May? Uh, or first week of June? It is first the of first week of June. First week, first week of June. June. There we go. Um, I don't think the season's actually going to be over by that point but Atletico no. Tucumán and River will be the only Primera game that takes place on it. Newell's are third with also with 45 points and level with River and Banfield are fifth with 45 points behind River and uh, and Newell's on goal difference Estudiantes sixth with 44 as are Colón in seventh place Um, Racing are eighth with 42 points Independiente as I mentioned are ninth with 41 points and the game in hand that game in hand is away to Tacheres you'll remember from the beginning of the year they still haven't played there it's true in when do they play that? That's not going to be in the international break. Then. I don't know. It's not. I've not seen it announced. You said it against the Vesey Justicia. Oh, you're right. They played the one against Tashera. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, it, yes. it was the Defensive Justicia one, which got called off for some other reason. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure. It, it might be in the international break as well. But I, Defensive Justicia was called off because of the international weekend. Every team had the chance to. To call off one game. Mm. Independiente was the only team to, to take up the option. They always take up these options, you know, whether it's not releasing players or postponing games. Get off your high horse, Almost as if they had a lot of weight within the AFA somehow. Rosario Central are 10th with 37 points, so a four point gap to Independiente, which would become a five point gap to Racing if Independiente were to win that game in hand, of course. So they're not really in the title race. And then Lanús are 11th with 36 points. Uh, two points ahead of Tacheres de Cordoba, remember. Uh, so down to 11th. So uh, Lanús are the last team currently in a qualifi- qualifying spot for the ne- next year's Sudamericana. Um, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 qualify for the Sudamericana. So that at the moment, that's Lanús, Central, Independiente, Racing, Colón and Estudiantes. Um, fifth place goes into the second of the three qualifying rounds of next year's Libertadores at the moment that's Banfield but only on goal difference behind Newells and River mm-hmm. and first down to fourth will qualify for directly into the group stage so at the moment Boca San Lorenzo River Newells uh, fortunately enough Boca San Lorenzo River and Newells are the four clubs whose run-ins I have picked out to go through Excellent. they are only separated by four points um Banfield are as well, but so actually, okay, yeah, that, that seems fair. Let's add in Banfield as well because if we're going to include Newells in the title race, we should really include Banfield, shouldn't we? Um, given that they're level on points, um, and yeah, let's see what we come up with. So, Bocker's running, remember, Bocker top with 49 points from the, the, the psychology, psychological point of view and concentrating on them if, if you're Guillermo Barasek Galotto then I think you have to be saying to Bocca's players let's assume River win their game in hand so let's assume mm. that Bocca's result is only uh, Bocca's lead in the table is only one point for the moment and Bocca's running is this weekend they're at home to Newell's the week after that they are away to Huracan and then they have at home to Independiente away to Aldo Civi away to Olimpo at home to Union the last three matches are perhaps the most 
You would think they're gimmies, wouldn't you? The easiest mm. ones in terms of uh, the right, yes, the rivals and what they are playing for. But and Urakan yes. away shouldn't be too tricky for them. But those next two home games, the uh, two of the last three home games they've got, Newells and Independiente. Especially if Newell's this weekend, they're going to go into it a little more focused and thinking we screwed up the classical last week, last weekend. So Independiente playing, playing, of course, away uh, have proved they are stronger even when they have won uh, home against mm. uh, Racing, and uh, the same way that River did uh, with uh, Barco Benitez. Yeah, definitely. They could make a, a very, very dis- a disaster in the, in the back of with uh, Virginia in Sarralde. Mm-hmm. Definitely, Holland, who's a very studious man, I'm sure he'd he'll be stud- studying the the videos of of that River win and seeing exactly where he can he can hurt Boca. So yeah. if they don't make a a real tactical change before that game, it it's not a gimme by any by any means. Indeed, uh, San Lorenzo are second with forty. How many did I say? Forty five points. Forty six. Forty six points. They're three behind Boca at the moment. Um, their running is at home to Aldof Sivi. You think? Yeah. Away to Racing. You think? Yeah. At home. <laughs> at home to River. You think? Yeah. Which is interesting. Away to Colón, which could be tricky. At home to Banfield. Christ. And then away to Tacheres. That's a very tough run. That's. I'd almost be tempted to rule them out on the grounds of that. It's not Points they're going to drop. If if they if they still second at the end of the season. Yeah, you would expect them to be quite satisfied with that. Riber currently third, as I say, on goal difference, but with that game in hand, which would take them up to second and only a point behind if they can win it. Uh, they're running, if I'm reading the order correctly of matches, and if we've got the date for the Atletico Tucumán game correct, mm. is away to Gimnasia this coming weekend. Mm. Then, although it says here Atletico Tucumán, but I think they would then play Rosario Central at home, then Atletico Tucumán away. Then away to San Lorenzo, at home to Racing, at home to Aldo Civi, away to Colón. Tough, to, very tough. to look a little bit less optimistic for River mm. once you look at that fixture list, although their form so far this season, this year, sorry, since the turn of the year, um, obviously suggests that they could very much... When does the, the, the round of 16 at the, or the knockout stage of the Copa Libertadores start? I think it's in August. August, September. Yeah, they don't have to worry about yes. the Libertadores until next year. Uh, next year, next season. Mm. Whatever. Is it going to be yeah. another transition se- season? Did I no, it's not. No, finally. They finally, it's not. To. Um, that's going to be after the World Cup. I think we discussed that last week or maybe the week before. Or the, yes, uh, the, the episode before. Or the, it must have been the week before because yeah. we were at yours last yes. week. Yeah. Um, and I always remember... What Indeed, talk yeah. about. Either that or, or you just had a lot of fun to drink before we <laughs> got around to it last week. Surely not. Um, okay, that's not easy forever. Mm. But as I say, given their form at the moment, they could. Well, they had to play Boca, which was the most difficult, and they won it. So. Indeed. Supposedly, yeah. Supposedly the most. Newells are currently level on River, with River on goal difference. Uh, sorry, level with them on points, behind them on goal difference, obviously without that game in hand that River have got. And they are in La Bombonera this coming weekend. And then at home to Olimpo, away to Union, which is tricky. Mm. At home to Lanús, away to Belgrano, and then they finish off the season at home to Godoy Cruz. Mm, not as hard as San Lorenzo, it's not as easy as Boca's, you'd no. probably say, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Indeed. 
Although, obviously, form really doesn't make much difference when we're talking about Argentine football. I mean, the, the, the games... The game at home to Olimpo is the only one there that actually... And no, at home to Olimpo and away to Belgrano, I would say for, for a team as good as Newell's, those ones should mm. be three points. The others are all sort of... Ooh, it depends on the kind of mood that the other yeah. teams are in. Union away straight up is I mean, Newell's basically know they have to win away to Boca, right? Yeah. If they don't win away to Boca, then... Then it's the season over. Absolutely. And Banfield, who are just behind uh, both River and Newell's at the moment on goal difference... Have a match away to Atletico Tucumán this mm. weekend, then away to Tempele. Sorry, at home to Tempele. Then there are away to Gimnasia. Then they're at home to Rosario Central. It's an easy run in this, isn't it? You wouldn't mind this. Mm. And then they finish off away to San Lorenzo and at home to Racing. Ooh, that's quite a bump. Um, from those, I think. Well, if they can pick up nine points in their next game, then they're going to be flying when, when they're going into those last two fixtures. It's true, but I, I, now that I've read through all of those runnings, I think Boca is still yeah. narrow. They've got the easiest run, there's no doubt about it. Because um, of the last three matches. And, and, and also because they've got the points on the board already. Yeah. And that always helps. It will depend, yes, how they reach the round 28, because they have three difficult matches and three easy matches. Yeah. Just at the end of the of the tournament. I venture a prediction at this point to say that the title winner of 2016-17 is going to come out of wait for it, Boca and River. Oh, uh, sticking my neck out on the sticking my neck on the line. I mean, yeah. I, I, as I say, I think Boca and are favourites, but that would not surprise me at all. And as I mentioned, given the form that River have been in since the turn of the year. But River um, had another opportunity to that. get, or to, or at least to uh, get the championship from Racing, mm. the tournament from Racing in 2014. Mm. Uh, but that was when they kind of, they played Racing in the second yeah. last week and they decided to, I wouldn't say hand them the game, but they, they played the match with reserves because of the Sudamericana semi-finals against Boca as well. Whereas nothing like that's really coming in now. River have qualified for the Libertadores already. They might very well win the group tomorrow night with a game to spare. Um, they're not going to have it to worry about it then after that yeah, for the rest of the running. They'll just be able to concentrate on the league. So I don't know if it's... Yes. I mean, I, I, I know what you mean, but I don't think it's an entirely comparable situation. Plus, it's not against Racing. And as we all know, River <laughs> always lose tight runnings against Racing. It's their bogey team, like in 2001. Yeah. So, yeah, you should be alright. If it's against just Boca, then yeah. It's not like you're fighting against Racing here. Anyway, we River have uh, several men, several players that won't uh, be available soon because Casco, in the second minute of the game... Mm. Oh, had, I forgot about Casco's mm. career. Yes, had an injury that, well, I think it was a foul from Gago, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, well, he was. I think he has a. a he will have three of three weeks or one month. Is that really that it, much of a loss, say, Casco? It, it kind of buggered up my well, a very small part of my um, uh, match preview because one of the things that I, I put in my match preview was that one of the key tactical battles for the Super Classico Milton Casco against Ricardo Centurion <laughs> that river left back Boca right wing and after 10 minutes well 11 minutes they've both gone off injured obviously so it was like, oh okay right. but 
anyway, yeah, think- it's a preview. What can you do? I mean, as long as those two players actually play the game, it's not. You can't well, really ask. Maybe it's so key that they both killed themselves. You I know, don't. In I this tactical battle. Minded, I don't is, think so. While I was watching it, I sort of thought, oh, ironic. That, works. Okay. But that, that talks even more talks even more about the how River is in terms of the team because mm. Machada was the one who. Mm. Jump into the into the t- into the match mm. to replace Milton Casco and he was decent. Uh, that that means that the team is uh, doesn't uh, uh, get their their performances too mm. too down, even when there is a player that doesn't is not a natural. Yeah, it's, it's always handy to have a versatile Uruguayan in your team. Indeed, it is. Uh, top three in any order predictions. Anybody? I'm going to Boca, go for Boca River Newells at this stage. Boca River San Lorenzo. Yes. Okay. In that order, the order that they are now in the in the table, I think, is Boca River San Lorenzo, perhaps. Boca San Lorenzo River. In this, ah, yes. In this moment. Or news, but news. I can see them losing. Yeah, two matches. Yes. I think they're going to lose. Even last three somebody. matches because against yeah. Huracan they won, but with the goal, yeah. just a lucky goal and and didn't play very well. Mm. And the last two matches, what? Well, well, yeah. 4-1 and 4-0 4-1 yeah, yeah. and 4-1 I can't see him getting a result in the Bombonera and I think that's going to be curtains on their season Mind you, you thought Boca were going to win uh, the Super Classico when we spoke last week so that's because Centurion was going to play but you know with Centurion injured um, we'll be uh, we said this last week as well but we'll be much wiser this time next week <laughs> Uh, a style of the title race is looking let's ask a few listeners questions we've only had a few this week we've also not had any, I don't think, um, predictions this week, so I'm going to be making them up off the top of my head after the theme music. But first of all, Abidal Islam writes to ask, what will be the other objectives of Jorge Sampaoli after qualifying for the World Cup? Well, I guess winning it. Winning the World Cup, yeah. Um, um, I guess. And I mean, I guess as well, more short term, mm. and, and if we're going to answer the question in a slightly less uh, dismissive way. Um, it has to be finding a, an identity for a team which really to a very small extent I think to a much smaller extent than a lot of the media made out mm. under Gerardo Martino but certainly to a massive extent under Edgardo Balsa seemed to have sort of lost its way and be slightly directionless mm. um, it's something that obviously we're having seen San Paoli's teams now for for a good few years uh, it would be surprising if his team looked as shorn of ideas. Uh, but yeah. he has to, you know, make that show on the pitch. Yeah, I think Sampoli's immediate goal when he comes into Argentina, and I don't know how much he's going to be able to work on this. You know, assuming he's going to get the job straight after the Spanish season ends well, this actually, weekend, right? Now that you mention it, sorry, his first squad for Argentina is being announced on Friday. And he will give it. It's not going to have San Paolo's signature on it. It's only going to be announced by the by the AFA via yeah. their website and Twitter. Um, but obviously, I mean, the reason for that is that he can't sign a contract with the AFA until uh, the last La Liga games are on Saturday, right? So he can't sign yeah. a contract with the AFA until Sunday. Okay. Um, he's going to do that in the early part of next week. But the squad is going to be announced on Friday. And it's fair to say this squad will have his great mind behind it, if not his signature on it. Indeed. We have got... An, small idea of how it's going to be La Nacion reported something let's assume that their sources are good they generally are Um, and what they think is first of all 
uh, that the footballers who are involved in the Champions League final in Europe uh, Dybala, Higuain and another one no, I think that's it right there's one other I'm sure that they mentioned three Dybala, Higuain oh, Real Madrid don't have any or would it be Europa League as well so Rojo <laughs> Romero well no Rojo A is injured he's injured and he will he's ah, of course until 2018 and B Paulo doesn't like him that was a bonus story anyway um no, I'm sure they mentioned it. Where is it? Iguain and Dybala. And... Da, 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 da. Uh, oh, no, you're right. Sorry, just Iguain and Dybala. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so he, he, he wants to give them mm. the time off, but apparently they both said to him, look, we want to be part of the, of the thing right from the mm-hmm. off. So he's planning to say to them, if you want to take part in the second friendly against Singapore, then you're welcome mm-hmm. to, but I'm not going to force it because it's a lot of travelling and it's right after a long season. Yeah. Um, anyway, what Ole yeah. reckon is that I'm trying to remember I read this a few hours ago um, now but I think that there are players go on Andres yes I think that you were going to say that but there are some names that I think that that's, that's the other challenge of Samboli to, to yeah the, the as I was saying before um, his immediate goal is going to be carrying out this long overdue renewal of the squad because Absolutely. there's players in, in this squad that haven't really done anything to merit it for you know since the World Cup it yeah. was a squad that was built to win the World Cup. They fell agonisingly short of that goal. And since then, they haven't really gone anywhere. You know, mm. two Copa America finals, it's very laudable, it's brilliant. Um, unlucky not to take either of the titles. But, but it's felt like a mental block in finals now, whereas before it was a mental block at World Cup quarter-final stage before Sabella came along. Yeah, but more than a mental block, it's, uh, you get the feeling in these qualifiers, it's a team that's, yeah. that's had its run and now it's time... To change it, Absolutely. and Sampaoli needs to do this. The way that La Nación put this is that he has been thinking. He's been thinking about it for a few weeks. He's been given apparently a sort of off the record okay from Sevilla to put this squad that's being announced on Friday together since mm-hmm. last weekend. When obviously, although they lost, Sevilla actually confirmed their qualification to the, the Champions League, mm-hmm. and so they uh, they apparently said to him, "Yeah, you can put the list together now." Um, and the way that La Nacion put it is, is that he's going to be putting in players from the second line um, in Europe. Uh, so the, the names that they're giving are uh, Alejandro Gomez, who we mentioned with reference mm. to his dance last week, to Atalanta. Uh, Leandro Paredes of Roma, Emmanuel Mamana from Lyon, which I'd be delighted to see him uh, in and around the Selección. So he won't be calling up local players, I'm assuming, because he of might the do. Premier. Ah. He might do. Joaquin Correa, uh, obviously so from Sevilla. Um, and some others who probably won't be involved in the first squad but are going to be in San Paoli's um, sightlines Manuel Lanzini, a lot of our listeners will be pleased to hear Leonel Mangioni, Cristian Ansaldi, Jeronimo Rulli Ezequiel Garay and Agustin Marquesin also Guido Rodriguez is a player he likes a lot apparently San Paoli spent a lot of the time watching the Mexican league Someone has Rodriguez was, was playing in Argentina oh, I thought he would say you would be Saron, not Rodriguez no indeed but well, he's also Atletico. Well, Pizarro's already in there technically since he played Indeed. the last squad, so that would um, be a new addition. Another thing that he's going to be planning to do is, is move Fabio Mascherano into centre back and make ah. um, Ebe Banega the, the the number five. Only uh, six six years overdue that change. Indeed, um, but you know we say all of this. The all that we actually know for nearly certain mm-hmm. is that there's only going to be one. 
player whose place in the team is going to be completely assured and unquestioned, and you all know who that player is, so we're not going to mention his name. Sergio Romero. Absolutely. Noem Guzman is quite likely to take over Indeed. a goal. We talked about this last week, I think, didn't we? Well, who knows if, if Romero keeps up his fine form for Manchester United. He played game. one game and he did well, yeah. No, he played today as well. Yeah, that's what they're saying. The league. Um, and he's yeah. been playing throughout the Europa League. Um, obviously, that's that's how how highly Jose Mourinho thinks of him. Something, isn't it? Because we've been playing so well all season. Mm. Um, Abidal Islam also asks, tell us something about San Paulo's staff, such as Matias Mana, Becacheche, and somebody else. Well, we can only really tell you about Becacheche. It was Dan said, he's doing very well as defensive with DCS. Yeah. Considering the, the size of club that he's in charge of. Defensa y Justicia, where are they? Um, uh, currently, when did he take over? Was it the turn of the year? Turn of the year, yeah. Because so, before it was Dario Franco, right? No, it was Alain. Alain, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, so Defensa y Justicia right now 14th in the league table. Uh, nine wins, seven draws, seven defeats. But since um, Becacheche took over, they have recorded four of those wins mm. only two of those defeats and two of those draws so he's done fairly well and he's got yeah very home. tidy if you think it's a team that's that must have one of the smallest budgets in, mm. in the Primera and no also in spite of the fact that they're oh and they beat Sao Paulo we didn't mention this yes uh, but on away goals <laughs> yeah. But yeah you're quite right last week uh, they, they put Sao Paulo out of the Copa Sudamericana 0-0 in the first leg and then 1-1 in last week's uh, second leg in Sao Paulo um, in their first ever match outside, well, not their first match. ever match outside yeah. Argentina, but their first ever competitive match the outside Mono Argentina. Moral Moral yeah. Yes. Fantastic result for them. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, under Roland, although they were one of the smallest, if not arguably the smallest club in the Primera, they already had a reputation for trying to play the right way, for yeah. keeping the ball on the floor, for trying to play attacking football. And Becacheche although we don't know an awful lot about him admittedly one thing that we can say is that he's he's kept that going for them I mean yeah he's very much of this school they're a know. limited team but yeah. they try and play in inverted commas the right way the, yeah. yeah he's very much of this school you know of this teaching we can trace back all the way to the mythical Bielsa which goes down in varying degrees through Martino through well, San Paoli through um, through other guys of, of this style uh, yeah, the, I mean, Becacese obviously has to be a little more pragmatic hmm. because of what he's he's got a hand, but uh, he's done really well. I think before he was at Universidad de Chile, right? He was um, San Paoli's He was San Paoli's uh, assistant, San Paoli's I think, assistant yeah, I think, I think, and he didn't do particularly well there, but... Uh, defensive Justicia he's, he's played some good football yeah. and definitely as an assistant you know if he's a guy that Sampaoli knows obviously they work well together and the other thing is Sampaoli obviously thinks highly of him because apparently Sampaoli well, obviously yeah. apparently Sampaoli was quite pissed off when as we mentioned a few weeks ago when Becacheche said to the press yeah Sampaoli's already called me to I was going to say that he was the guy who kind of lifted the lid on this whole Sampaoli Targentino apparently Sampaoli was quite annoyed by that and yet um, from what we hear it seems like he's decided to, to keep him on anyway and, and that he definitely still does want him in the team so clearly he's a, a talented coach well, have... funnily enough that do you know what name was first mentioned for Sampali's assistant? Yeah. Olen oh, oh. oh yeah, right yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But I'm guessing... He's going to have about 10 of them, in fairness. So. There's been a few, yeah. But I, I doubt Lan he's going to take more than one of them from a Primera club. No. So Andres... No. No, here I have some of the of the assistants that Sapoli has right oh, now, and that could perhaps uh, take into the national team. I don't know whether the contract uh, will be signed for all of them, but uh, he actually has Jorge Decio as the trainer mm-hmm. at Sevilla. He's mm-hmm. the brother, I think, of Hermes Decio, or I uh, he's a relative of him, who, is, who was a player of Independiente. Uh-huh. Um, He's the trainer and he is in charge of the first minutes of the of the trainings, he says, when he, he's the coach. And then Lionel Scaloni, former more, uh-huh. more known player, former player of News and yeah. He's the video analyst of the team of San Paoli. Then he has Matias Mana, the one I think the, the one who asked yep. the question. Who is Matias Mana? He's from Rosario and he knew San Paoli after having worked with Marcelo Bielsa. When some, I, think when, I know if Mana worked with, with Bill Sauer and Pauli. Mm-hmm. And it says there that Guardiola wanted him for Man City. Yes. Oh, so. uh, he's a, yes, he has what a will, degree on uh, communication science. And what will his role be in the team? Uh-huh. Can we, no, do we know? Video analyst, no? If he's, video if he's the current video analyst. Yes. Uh, Scaloni is the video analyst. He, oh, no, sorry. I'm saying Mana. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Mana is a, more a, yes, an assistant. He's the trainer of He's a trainer, or perhaps, a, sorry, a coach. He's also a journalist. And when he was when went uh, to Chile, he was a, like a teacher in the Universidad de Santiago. Uh, then it's Martin Tocali, the, for, the son of, mm-hmm. of Hugo. Hugo Tocali as a, tra- a goalkeeper's trainer. Yeah. Hugo Tocali being the, how long, yeah. like a, 10 years ago maybe? When Peckerman was managing the full yeah. national team? Yeah, he was the, the under-20 20 20 20 coach. Yes. Uh, Is there any he, indication who will be coming in for the the youth team, the under twenty, under seventeens, or I will? Don't know whether Sao Paulo is going to be allowed to make a decision on that. I would have thought he'd be the, getting a quite a lot of leeway here. But yeah, if he's but being then, fished from a, the from other a thing Liga is, club. The other thing is, I've read a couple of articles indicating that he doesn't seem to care that much about that either. Right. Uh, he's really just going to concentrate on the on the, the first team. Well, um, he has to think about the World Cup first, right? Absolutely. As we said, you yeah. know kind of offhandly but accurately is objective now is qualifying for the World Cup and then winning the World Cup absolutely um, Scott Munro asks on a scale of one to holy shit how much is Dan missing Oscar Romero in a racing shirt I'm missing him I'm missing him uh, we've been lucky so far in 2017 in that other players have stepped up uh, Gustavo Ball has been fantastic uh, throughout the year since he's his tearful, joyous reunion with Diego Coca because everyone knows that those two go together like Fanet and Coke. Fanet and Coca, we can say. Um, As I said earlier, uh, Racing's midfield is missing a creative spark. Um, You saw that more than anything in the Clásico where without Acuna and without Lautaro Martinez, the team kind of missed this... uh, this verticality, mm-hmm. which has kind of been its trademark so far in 2017. How would you translate um, kind of verticalismo, like in a team, yes. un equipo verti- Di- uh, vertical? Directness. Direct, yeah. 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 That, that's a little bit of a, perhaps in English it sounds slightly more pejorative, but you know, I think by and large. It, yeah, a direct team, a direct team. And without Acuna and Lautaro, it was, it was a lot harder to pull off 
against Independiente. So definitely, you know, I think we all remember Oscar Romero's heroics in in his last no, was it the last one? Or second last away clasico where he hurt himself, asked for five more minutes, and then smashed in a golazo yeah. to silence the Libertadores de America. I'm not saying that's a very difficult feat, but he did it. Um, I'd obviously love to see him back. I think it's no secret that I adore the little the little Paraguayan, but I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. But so um, I've had to move on. Indeed. Uh, and Chris Murta says, "Does anyone on the show think that Banfield can finish top four? It's odd that we're not playing well at all, but keep running out results." Um, I do. I think I... we were all surprised to see him in the top five this week. Yeah. <laughs> Once we actually looked at the table. Their running isn't the easiest. So the, I mean, it's those last two games, more than I think. Yeah. Away to San Lorenzo and then at home to Racing. But certainly the next few that are coming up. Atletico Tucumán seem to have taken their eye off the ball a bit in the league, obviously, because they've got Libertadores distractions. Um, but then Tempele, Gimnasia, Central in Central's mm. current form you would think that they can yeah. have a decent chance in all of those given the way that well I was going to say the way that Banfield are playing but as Chris quite rightly said not necessarily the way Banfield are playing but the way that Banfield are managing to pick up points at the moment well it's typical Falcioni isn't it I, they I, don't have to be electrifying but yeah. they get results I mean essentially look right Banfield have won four in a row and five out of their last six and Chris is asking us whether we think that they can finish one place or more higher than they currently are when the gap to that one place above them isn't even a point it's just goal difference so the answer is yes I mean yeah of course uh, it can happen it's going to be tough but it's and possible it, it, we've already, I mean I, we've given our thoughts already on who we think is going to be top three at the end of the season it wouldn't at all surprise me if Banfield are, are fourth or even possibly gate crashing the top mm. three but um, given the, the sort of late season surge that they've had those are all of our questions, which means that after this next piece of music, I'm going to um, have a go at some predictions for the weekend to come, which are going to be entirely off the top of my I've got to say, Sam, your massive Boca following has been very quiet since the, the Clásico. Pardon? Your, mass, you know, your huge Boca Juniors following that obviously follow Hannah Pod. No questions from them. It's no. very interesting. That's strange, though, isn't it? Yeah. Finn and Shy. Indeed, they must be. I wonder why. Very nice. Anyway, here's some theme music, and when you come back, you'll get the enjoyment of Mystic Sam's predictions for the weekend to come. go. We start the weekend with just one match on Friday night. It is Banfield away to Atletico Tucumán and I think it will be a Banfield victory. On Saturday I'm going for Belgrano and Patronato to grind out a pretty uninspiring draw in Cordoba in front of an empty stadium of course. Lanús will beat Atletico de Rafaela at home. Um, I'll go for a, an away win for Tacheres against Sarmiento. I will go for another away win for San Martin against Tigre. And a home win for Union against Arsenal. Independiente vs Zorakan. I think having got over that hump uh, of, of um, not having had an away win previously under Alain, Independiente now will make it two in a row against Zorakan. 
Godoy Cruz on Sunday should beat Beres Sarsfield in Mendoza uh, with something to spare. San Lorenzo will beat Albacini, surely. Although Albacini is precisely the kind of team San Lorenzo sometimes slip up against, so maybe not. Um, Tempele against Colón. I can only see that one being a Colón victory. Boca versus Newells. I'm going to go for a draw in La Bombonera. Quilmes against Defensa Justicia is another draw. Rosario Central versus Racing. I'm going to go for a Racing win there. Olimpo versus Estudiantes on Monday is an Estudiantes win. And for some reason, he messed it. <laughs> oh, because River are playing on Thursday. Um, as a result of which they play against Gimnasia away in La Plata um, as the last game of the evening on Monday night and I think that that will be a river win quite a few away wins actually I'm only going for three draws there at 15 matches so that's almost certainly going to turn out to be bollocks um, do we have a report on the predictions man from last week we don't. You should have prompted me to do that during that small breakdown. But here we go. I was going to, but I didn't uh, know how small the break was going to be. The from last week were... Let's just get them quickly up here with the results from last weekend. Uh, last week, Mixtic Simon went for a Godoy Cruz win over San Martin, which was correct. He went for a draw between the Atleticos, which was not correct. Estudiantes to beat Gimnasia, which happened. Huracan to draw with San Lorenzo, which did not. Uh, he went for Banfield to beat Lanús, mm-hmm. which they did. Tacheras to beat Belgrano, which they didn't. Olimpo to beat Aldo Civi, which they did. Uh, Newells to beat Central, which they didn't. Independiente to beat Racing, which they did. Boca to beat River, which they didn't. Colón versus Unione went for a home win. It was a draw. Patronato against Sarmiento. He also went for a home win, and that one ended in a draw as well. He went for a Tempele win away to Arsenal. Arsenal won it. Uh, Defensive Justicia, he said, would beat Quilmes, and they did. And he said that Vélez would beat Tigre, which they did, thanks to that controversial penalty. So Simon got 7 out of 15 last week, which is respectable. perfectly yeah. respectable score. Perfectly yeah. respectable. Well done, Simon. Um, that wraps it up for this week. Folks, as we leave you, uh, the strongest quest to qualify is, is being undone. Mm. Well, maybe not quite just yet but certainly Santos are on, in line for a fantastic result if they can hold it 12 minutes to go and it's 1-1 in La Paz um, keep listening and later on I'll give you the scores from Lanús who are playing Zulia Venezuela um, and at, at the standings are right now the one who is qualifying is Wisterman they of, of course must play but Wisterman not in this group oh. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but... Uh, no, it's okay. Yeah, uh, Winsterman are in the same group as Atletico Tucumán. Yeah, I know, but um, Winsterman is going through and strongest... And Peñarol and Palmeiras. The strongest are in group two with Santos, Santa Fe and Sporting Cristal. Yes. But they are... If, if they get this draw, they are going through. As it stands. They'll be second Santos going into the last go turn. to nine. The strongest will be on eight. Santa yep. Fe go to seven because they're winning away to Sporting Cristal. Uh, and it's Santa Fe against the oh, strongest okay. in the last round. Yeah, so they'll really, need a draw away to Santa Fe. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they obviously prefer to win this than they just need to avoid getting thrashed. Yes. Um, anyway, yeah, so keep listening, and after the full time whistle or music, I will give you the scores from Lanús Sulia and from San Lorenzo versus Flamengo, which should be a cracking game, um, both of which are kicking off in about 34 minutes' time. Excellent. 
time to make my dinner and settle in with that on the telly, I reckon. Indeed. So now, dear listeners, it's goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. Goodbye from Dan. Goodbye and good luck. Goodbye from me and enjoy this next piece of roughly one hour and two hour and twenty minute long theme music before I give you the scores. We have some drama to report um, at the end of this week's podcast. Independiente Camioneros in the Clásico Gremial drew nil-nil in the Copa Argentina and Independiente won the shootout of kicks from the penalty spot by four. And in the Copa Libertadores, uh, San Lorenzo popped up through Fernando Bellucci with a stoppage time winner to beat Flamengo 2-1. The other game in that group finished Universidad Católica 2, Atlético Paranaense 3. Um, and all of that means that San Lorenzo have won Group 4 and Atlético Paranaense finished second on goal difference. Flamengo, in spite of the fact that they had by far the best goal difference in that group, are third in the group with nine points. It turns out if you lose all three of your away games, you won't qualify, even if lots of people are telling you that uh, you're the best team in the competition. Um, also in the Libertadores in Group 7, Lanús have lost 2-1 at home to Chapicoense. However, at the time of recording this little update, uh, we're not sure whether the score is going to stand because the guy who scored Chapicoense's winning goal, Luis Otavio, apparently shouldn't have been on the pitch. He was suspended for three games and Chapicoense is saying that they didn't know about that. Um, obviously, this being Conmebol, it might be several days before we hear anything one way or the other about whether that result will stand. But as it stands at the moment, uh, Lanús are just ahead of Chapicoense on goal difference in second and Chapicoense in third of Group 7 with a game to go. But obviously, if that gets handed as a Lanús uh, walkover, then it means that Lanús are through already with a game to spare.